Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. As we continue travelling with Paul through the pages of Acts of the Apostles, we find him in uh, chapter 16, now travelling with Silas and Timothy. So we have the situation teacher and student, really. And uh, we left Friday's programme with the vision of the Macedonian man, which you made the point that this is Paul listening to the witness of the Holy Spirit. Yes, he realised that he had no freedom to go into the areas where he had wanted to go, and that the reason when he uh, received this vision uh, of the man from Macedonia, the reason became clear that this was why he hadn't had freedom to go to the other places, because now the Holy Spirit wanted him to go to Macedonia. Now, we're using the truth uh, version of the New Testament in these um, programs, and um, uh, there's a, a little note really put in brackets. It, it was at this point that Luke, the author of this book, joined Paul and his companions. Up until this point in the narrative, uh, Luke has been talking about they, what the various individuals have done, Peter, Paul, and so on, and those with them. It was all they went from here to there. They did this, and such and such happened to them. But now Luke joins Paul because from here on he's talking about we. And Luke remained a very faithful companion of Paul even during his imprisonment in Rome. Uh, so uh, a little apostolic team is developing now because there is Paul, Silas, Timothy, Luke, perhaps others too, but um, th this is this is a Paul is developing his own apostolic team now. Can you remember last week we we saw um, the way that Paul and Barnabas separated, went their other ways. Barnabas was probably doing the same thing. And you see, this was the purpose of God: don't just travel together all the time; you'll suffocate each other. I want to use you separately. Then you can be much more effective and fruitful, and you can each uh, develop your apostolic teams where you can be mentoring and, and raising up new young leaders underneath you. So we read uh, in verse 11, from Troas we sailed to Samothrace, and then the next day on to Neapolis. From there we journeyed to Philippi, a Roman colony that was the leading city of Macedonia, where we stayed for several days. And Philippi was to become a very significant church. So you can understand why uh, the Holy Spirit had led them like this. What, one, of the, one of the things I love about the Acts of the Apostles is the way that we are given the information of all these journeys. I mean, really, um, we don't need to know all of that, but it just is like a... Uh, a note of authenticity. We went here, we went there, the Spirit led us here, then we went on, and so on. In verse 13 of chapter 16, we went outside the city gate to the riverside on the Sabbath, expecting to find some others gathered there for prayer. Uh, we sat down and began to speak to some women, among whom was Lydia, who came from the city of Thyatira, 
and traded in exclusive purple cloth. As she was a worshipper, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's preaching. Uh, what's going on here? Why are these women here? Well, uh, these are Jewish women or those that were connected in some way with the synagogue, but in the synagogue, women could not participate in the service. So they would have met on other occasions, at other places where they could pray together, meet together, fellowship together, not just on their own, but with the men. They could do things together outside the synagogue that they couldn't do inside the synagogue. So Paul gets talking to them and to this Lydia in especially. She's obviously a fairly wealthy woman because purple cloth was very, very exclusive, very expensive. So after she and the members of her household were baptized, Lydia invited us to her home. If you accept that I am a true believer in the Lord, please come and stay at my house, she said. So at her insistence, we agreed to this. A good saleswoman. That's just why she was a trader in purple cloth. So um, they go and stay with her. On another occasion, when we were going to the place of prayer, we encountered a demon-possessed slave girl. She was used by her owners to earn much money by telling fortunes and predicting the future. The girl followed us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they are letting you know how you can be saved. She did this continually for several days, until Paul became so exasperated that he turned towards the girl and addressed the spirit operating through her. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her, he said. Immediately the spirit obeyed and left her. Now, there are some interesting things uh, about this particular incident. One is that Paul didn't deliver her immediately. Uh, it seemed there came a point where he reached exasperation because this girl was becoming a menace to what they were doing. You see, do you remember that during his ministry, the demons knew who Jesus was and actually referred to him as the Holy One of God long before people recognized him as the Messiah. And Jesus silenced them and told them to be quiet because he did not want the proclamation of the truth to come from demonic voices. Uh, it just shows that the demons were well aware of who Jesus was long before people were. I've always said that demons have more faith than some Christians because they really believe who Jesus is and they believe in his authority. So it seemed that Paul waited until a particular point before he sort of turned on this girl, not, not on the girl herself, but on the demons that, that uh, was being expressed through her and commanded this demon to come out of her. And of course, this is the authority that God gives to his people. Uh, preach the gospel of the kingdom, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. 
Now, of course, you need to be sure that you are casting out a demon. I have come against so, up against so many situations where people with so-called deliverance ministries have told people they've got demons and that's not their problem at all. It's simply that they haven't known how to help them. And if you tell somebody that they've got a demon and they haven't, you put that person into terrible bondage because they go from place to place trying to be delivered out of something that they don't have. And uh, so I've often had to, uh, if you like, clear up the mess that has been left by people with so-called deliverance ministries, sometimes well-known ministries um, at that. But where there is a demonic presence, when you come against this in the name of Jesus, then you are going to expect to see deliverance immediately. Do you think one of the reasons that Paul actually delayed confronting this spirit was because he knew it would have repercussions? Uh, probably. Um, you know, uh, all the time his focus is on preaching the gospel. Um, if a demonic presence actually begins to affect that, interrupt that in some way, then you're going to have to take action. There was um, a situation when I was preaching once in Sardinia where a young girl, in a young woman, really, not a young girl, she was a young woman, um, in the um, in the front row began to manifest a demonic presence while I was preaching. And this obviously was disruptive and it was immediately obvious to me this was a demonic presence. So I just stopped and immediately took authority in the name of Jesus that every demon would be cast out. All over that congregation, people began to manifest, and I, I would think somewhere between 12, 15 people were delivered, all within, a, you know, half a minute. Because what I did, you see, was I didn't address every demon in her. I just said, every demon present, get out now in the name of Jesus. And there were a number of unsaved people there. There were a number of people that had been brought up and what I would call Catholic superstition, you know. There are some areas where people are nominally Catholics, but they're involved in a whole lot of superstitious occult practices as well. And so uh, on that occasion, a whole number of people, it was very noisy just for half a minute or so, and then there was this complete peace, and we could go on, and there was a wonderful move of the Spirit at the end of the message. So... You know, when these things become disruptive, you have got to take action. But, um, you know, wisdom decrees that if you do not have experience in this area, you do not go around telling people that they have demons when they do not. And uh, it's much better to allow people with some experience in this kind of ministry to exercise it. Of course, if you're in a situation where suddenly you are being attacked by somebody who's uh, demonically possessed, then, of course, you have to take action there, and then you can't say, what's the pastor's phone number? But in the name of Jesus, you just command that person to be set free. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 